Amen. Thank you, Christian. Good morning again. If you guys want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10 today. And we're going to um, kind of follow up on the, the last uh, month or two months. We really have been talking about um, this idea of the kingdom of God, what it looks like and what it should look like and what our role is in it and how do we help the kingdom of God grow. And, and it really kind of is um, all coming to a head right this next weekend as we go and uh, so as we go nice. I didn't even mean to do that. As we go and so this weekend, that we have this idea, this um, this call in our life from God to minister the gospel to those that are around us, and in doing that, and, and, and when you talk about that, sometimes um, we start from a place that is is really not where God wants us to start from, with the ideas of of what do I need to say, how do I say it, how do I uh, do all these things, and and what does it really mean? to step out in faith and, and step out and share my faith with somebody, step out and share the love of Christ with somebody, step out and serve somebody like we're doing this coming weekend or this following weekend. And, and so I thought it might be a good idea as a follow-up to all those and right before we go out to take a look at maybe the best example and the best set of instructions that you're ever going to get by looking at when Jesus sent out the 12. I mean, who else is going to give you a better set of rules and regulations to follow on a how-to and why do we go out and so? Why do we go out and share our faith? Why is it part and so important um, to follow the Great Commission? And in Matthew chapter 10, you will find everything you need to know about sharing the gospel. But I'd be willing to bet that it's not everything you thought you needed to know in order to share the gospel. So we're going to get into this, and, and I'm going to just tell you the story uh, that's, that, that Jesus is giving the, the disciples, not the story, sorry, the account of what Jesus said to the disciples as he was getting ready to send them out. So first thing he did, and you guys can kind of follow along, I'll read a few of the verses, chapter, uh, verse 1 in chapter 10, it says this, it says, he called the 12 disciples to him, and he gave them the authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. You know, Jesus has a way of really setting the tone. Right? Can you imagine being called and said, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and give you all the authority to do these things. And then uh, Matthew names all the disciples that were there so we know exactly who is um, being told to go, who is, who is being charged to go. And then in verse 5, Jesus starts this way. He says, do not go among the Gentiles or enter in, into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. So far, you know, this seems pretty straightforward and easy, right? End of chapter, uh, verse 8 says, freely you have received, freely you give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. So, so far, again, very simple. You just cast out all the demons. You heal all the sick when you go to town. And don't take anything extra. Just what you have and what you're wearing. It says, whatever town or village you enter, search for someone who is worthy. And stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And if it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to you when you leave that, when you leave that town, I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Again, he's just very encouraging. 
and he just wants you to know all the details. He doesn't want to leave anything out. Sheep among the wolves. I think I'd rather be a wolf, but we'll take what we got. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. And then here to follow is even more good news. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils, and they will flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. If we jump on down a few verses to 26, it says, So don't be afraid of them. So don't be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall if it's not the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my heavenly Father. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father. And then we're going to skip down to verse 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And who does not take his cross up every day and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the account of Jesus' charge to the 12 disciples to go into the earth, to go into the nations, to go out and to begin to minister the gospel. And I don't know about you, but as I read this, I I note and observe some very obviously missing things. Like, where is the three-step process to lead somebody to Jesus in here? You know, where is the, the, how do I, you know, with the instructions on how do I get my testimony down to two minutes so that I can fit it in a conversation so that they might know who Jesus is? Where is the sinner's prayer that I'm supposed to lead them in so that they can come to Jesus? Where are the instructions on how to get God into every single conversation that I have at work or at the grocery store or in my family? Where are all the instructions about doing ministry and and evangelizing the people that we come in contact with so that they may know Jesus? Because that's what I need, because that's what's ingrained in my head is, is that's how we reach out. That's how people come to Christ is that we have this plan. I mean, I understand why the Roman road isn't listed in there because it wasn't written until a little bit later. You know, so there's no idea of, of the Roman road yet. But why isn't all the other instructions that I need in order to lead somebody to Jesus there? But what is there is all about our relationship with the Lord. If you read it, and we're going to read a couple more passages out of that and, and kind of dig down. If, if, you, if you really read into it, what really is revealed is God's deep desire for a relationship with you. And so 
the why that we do outreach, the why we go and sow, the why we try and minister to those around us is our relationship with Jesus. He starts this way. He only tells them three things to say throughout the whole thing. There's only three times that he says, this is what you will say. And the first thing is this. He says, tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. Really meaning that God is not far off. God is, not, no, is, is no longer silent. God is here. He is dwelling among us, and he wants relationship with you. And then right after that, he says, freely you have received from me, so freely you should give. Right there is the why of why we go out and minister to people, why we tell people about Jesus, why we love them, why we serve them, because here he says, freely you have received. So freely give. We have to get to this place in our life that we understand how fortunate we are, that we know Jesus, and how many things that, that God has poured into our lives, how he's healed us, how he's forgiven us, how he's filled us with his joy, given us his peace, that we have got that at no cost to ourselves. And it should drive us to the place that says, I need to tell other people about this. I need, out of my relationship with the Lord, out of my love for the Lord, it drives me to those that are around. So I can tell them what he says here, that the kingdom of heaven is near, that God is near to you. That God desperately desires to be in relationship with you. The why of when we go out and do ministry is our relationship with the Lord. But what's most fascinating is the how, at least according to this is exactly the same. The how of ministering the gospel is exactly the same. It is based on your relationship with the Lord. It is not based on how much you know. It's not based on how good you are, how well you have it together in your life, how many prayers you know, how many scriptures you know. It really has nothing to do with that. According to this, it all has to do with your relationship with the Lord. That is how people meet Jesus. The, the, the next thing that happens in, in this account that Jesus is telling him, he says that you're going to be arrested, you're going to be flogged, and, and everybody's going to hate you. And he says, don't worry when you get arrested. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. And for me, that's a big relief because I always wonder, what do I say? How do I answer questions? Do I know the questions they're going to ask? Do I have all the answers to the questions? And what if I don't have any answers to any questions? And right here, Jesus tells them, you don't need to worry about the questions. You don't need to worry about what you're going to say. He said, because you aren't even going to do the talking. If you're willing and if you have the relationship with the Lord and, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come and he will speak through you. Out of your relationship with the Lord, that is where the Holy Spirit begins to speak. See, if we can grasp a hold of this and not worry about all the answers we have to have or all the answers we don't have and, and, and saying the right things, but we begin to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, things begin to change. But often what we do is we walk around worrying about things in our life versus worrying about the Holy Spirit in our life. We walk around making sure we have everything that we need and everything that we want. And, and in regards to outreach, we want to make sure we know all the answers and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and Jesus is saying, here, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to say. You need to worry about the Holy Spirit. 
You need to be focusing on, on your relationship with the Lord and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as he leads and as he guides and as he directs. See, this is how we minister the gospel is that we walk with Jesus, not have all the right answers, not know all the correct things, not know all the verses, but that we know the one who has saved us. And our relationship with him begins to bear fruit. Then a little farther down, Jesus tells them, if anyone loves anybody else more than they love me, they are not worthy. It's his mother and father, it's his son and daughter, but he really is talking about, if you love anybody else more than you love me, you are not worthy. Right after that, he goes on to say, whoever finds his life shall lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. And the Lord really impressed on me this whole, this idea of what it really means to lose our life and what it really means to find our life. And I think that the, the, the God is really speaking to us this morning. He's speaking to me, and, and, and I hope that he's speaking to you, that we struggle every day to find our life. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about just salvation, you know, that we, we find our life by losing it in salvation. But every day we are trying to build our lives. Every day we walk through our life and, and we often get off track and we begin to strive and we begin to try and we begin to build and we begin to focus on our life. We begin to try and find out what it is. We begin to try and find out what should I, how should I work. I need to work harder. I need to make more money. I need to be kinder to my wife. I need to be gentler to my children. I need to be a better friend. And we begin to focus on these things and we begin to value what those people think of us over what God thinks of us. And we get it completely backwards. We spend the day trying to find our life, trying to build our life. And the scripture says, if we do that, you will lose your life. And I think this is not just talking about eternity, but I think if we begin to try and strive and, and, and go so hard, this is when you find yourself lacking joy and lacking peace and, and lacking assurance because you are trying to find everything on your own versus losing your life and being obedient to whatever it is that God has for you. Being content and doing whatever it is that God calls for you. That's where it says we find life because when we're in the full will of God and the perfect will of God, that's where peace is. That's where healing is. That's where joy is found, knowing that I am loved by the Father. And, and we, this is something that we can trust and that we can hold on to. Jesus says right before he says all this, he says, he says, listen, don't be afraid of men. Don't fear men that you need to fear me. But then he also says, don't be afraid of that even because I love you. He says, two pharaohs are sold for a penny. Not one falls without it being the will of God. And then he goes on to say that you are much more valuable than any sparrow. That God created of the universe loves you more than anything else. But yet often we put other people and what they want and what they desire and what they expect above the will of God, above uh, what he thinks of us. And so not just fear, but worry and doubt about what does my neighbor think of me? What does my friend think of me? What does my boss think of me? What does my wife, my kids, what do they think of me? And we begin to dwell on that versus dwell on God. And as we dwell on God, can I tell you that all the rest of those relationships will continue to get better? Because when we realize, like we were singing, uh, that he is more than enough, that, that he is everything that we need, that we let go of everything else and we hold on to that relationship, he begins to show us 
how to be a good friend, how to be a good husband, how to be a good dad or how to be a good daughter or whatever the relationship might be. He begins to show you those things. But we must focus on him and not on them. This is where lives begin to be changed. This is how Jesus is telling the disciples to go into and, and to minister to the Jews is that you minister out of this relationship and through your relationship with Christ, not just with this person and not just having all the right answers. Again, he didn't tell them anything to speak but three different things. He said to, the first thing is you speak that the kingdom of heaven is near. And the second thing you can find in verse 26 and following. It says, so do not be afraid of them. This is the men he's talking about. For nothing will be concealed that, is, that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And here's the important part. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, pro- proclaim from the rooftops. Again, right in the midst of this, even what we're supposed to say flows out of our relationship with the Lord. Because if you didn't see it, if you didn't catch it, it says, I want you to speak the things you heard from me in the dark. Whatever you heard from me in the dark, I want you to speak in daylight. We all have times in our life where we're not sure what top is and we're not sure what bottom is. We don't know which way to go. We're lost. We're confused. And things begin to get heavy and begin to get dark in our lives and they begin to get hard. And in that moment, God is speaking. In actuality, God is speaking to us all the time. But sometimes we need that darkness in order to stop and to listen. We need those moments where we realize, I can no longer do this on my own. I've been doing this on my own, and I've been listening to the, to the world, and the world has been yelling at me all these different things and how I should function and how I should be, and I'm, I'm not listening to the voice of the Lord. But he promises to speak, and in the darkness, it says he speaks to you. He said, the things I speak to you in the darkness, you then speak in the light. See, there are people in the world and people in our work, people in our families that are struggling right now. And what they need to hear is not your well-thought-out speech and not your ideas on how to get God into the conversations. What they need to hear is what you have freely received. And what you freely receive from the Lord are words in your time of trouble. Words at your darkest hour where God begins to tell you and remind you that he loves you. When God begins to tell you and remind you that you are his, that you are chosen, that you are a royal priesthood, that you're a son, that you're a daughter, that you belong to him. Those words in the darkness, that's what he speaks to us so that we also then can take that to the light. But that's a relationship thing. If you don't have that relationship with the Lord and you're not seeking him and wanting to hear from him and being still before him, you don't receive the words. And then next, that's the third thing he says to speak is the things that I whispered in your ear you shout from the rooftops. Whispers are a fascinating thing. Really good whisperers can talk in the middle of a room and nobody knows. Really bad whisperers are just not whisperers, right? How many people know really bad whisperers? How many people sit next to somebody in church that's a bad whisperer? All right. Just wanted to make sure. You know, the whispers are only effective in a very intimate setting. You know, I can whisper anytime I want, but if I whisper up here and, and you're back there and I don't have a microphone, you don't hear it. But if I were to whisper in your ear, 
And for you to be able to hear, because I think I'm a pretty decent whisperer, so I got to get really, really close. It's a very intimate moment. And this is what God is saying here. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. The things that I have spoken to you in our relationship, you, know, you have to be close. You know, God speaks softly. Remember, he's not in the thunder. He's not in the lightning. He was in the, the still, small voice. Here it says, the things that I've whispered to you, the things that I've spoken that only you can hear. Right? That's the point of a whisper, right, so that other people can't hear you. And so there's things in your life that God has whispered to you, that he has spoken to you. And what Jesus is saying here, those are the things that you shout from the rooftops. You don't need to shout all the right verses for somebody to get saved or, or shout a prayer or shout over them or shout at them. What you need to do is shout the things that God has spoken to you. The things that you freely receive, we're called to freely give. See, outreach isn't, reaching other people isn't just about all the right answers. It is about your relationship with the Lord. This was Jesus' instructions to the disciples. There weren't any, here are the answers, here's what you do, here's what you say. It was, you walk with the Lord. And the things that I've spoken to you, you share those. And see, the thing is, God speaks to each of us in all kinds of different ways. You know, he doesn't speak to me the exact same thing he speaks to you. Because in my time of trouble, I might need to hear something different and in a different way. But those things that he has spoken to me, those things in my dark places and those dark times, those things that he's whispered in my ear, the promises that he's, he's said to me, there's somebody else that needs to hear that. And so the stigma of, of, of knowing all the right answers and being able to walk somebody through to salvation is something that we really have created. You, you, you won't find it here in the Bible, but what you find is your relationship with the Lord. It's the why. It's why we go out. It's why we minister. It's why we do the things that God calls us to do because we are so in love with him and he is so in love with us that it generates this desire and this longing that other people have what God has given to us. And the how is no different. The how we minister to people is out of that relationship. That if we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we listen to his voice. And we do like Jesus did. Jesus said all the time, I only do, I only say, and I only do what I see the Father doing. That's the call. The things that God is speaking to you, you're supposed to share. You're not supposed to worry about all the other stuff. Him first. And then we get over the fear of man and the fear of what they think, and the fear of what they might do, and we just focus and dwell on who God is, our God, our Savior, the creator of the universe, who loves me, who loves you, who says that I'm more valuable than any sparrow, that he knows the hairs on my head, that he is intimately involved with me, that he speaks to me in the darkness, and then he whispers the promises in my ear. And so this weekend, as we go, and we begin to sow into our community. And, and this week, as you're in your um, job and in your family, and, and no matter wherever it is that you might find yourself, be still. Wait for the Lord to speak. Don't rush. Don't worry about how am I going to do this. Just let God move in your life through your relationship. And you will begin to see people around you wondering, what is it that you have? Who is this person? Who, who is it that has saved your life? Who is it that gives you this joy? Who is it that gives you this peace? Who is it that even though you're struggling, and I know you're struggling, 
that you still walk and that you still stand and you still are not shaken. This is how we change. This is how our world and our culture begin to change is when we operate in the fullness of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you and praise you that you do love us, you care for us, you watch over us. Lord, that you find value in us, that you speak to us. Lord, I pray that we would live in that. Lord, that we would always dwell with you. Lord, that we would not worry about man, we would not worry about what they think of us, Lord, but that we would be totally consumed in our relationship with you and let everything else flow out. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness to walk out our relationship. Lord, that you would give us boldness to be obedient in the things that you've called us to do, knowing full well that you love us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.